river kingdoms, a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugar-Fueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 83. So when last we left our heroes, uh, Kaelin had gone off to the trial grounds and slain Goody Nisker and Amag the Twiceborn and claimed Orvenbane. Yep. And then come back to discover that everyone knows you've claimed Orvenbane because some sort of messenger of Gorham came and told everyone. Yeah, which was very helpful. Uh, I don't think. The only people in your kingdom that you can find that weren't directly told are Svetlana and Varn, who are having their own problems with Niska coming back to kill them again. Yep. Uh, Svetlana has answered the call to become a paladin of Aerostil. Which is so totally awesome, but I haven't had a lot of time to take it in as yet. And an army of Tiger Lord Barbarians are marching on Elk's Rest. Yes. Meanwhile, a large number of people, including said armory of Tiger Lord Barbarians, have brilliant ideas for what I should do with Orvin Bane, and I am going to do none of them. Yep. Because I'm going to destroy it. Indeed. And indeed. So Corwin has gone off to um, pray and prepare his spells and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And it will become the next day, presuming you have nothing betwixt Heather and Thither that you wish to do. Yeah. um, So Caitlin is going to... um, Caelan is going to rest fundamentally, yeah. having um, had an extremely difficult time and being about to have another extremely difficult time. He's going to spend some time with Bryn and the kids and, you know, rest and recover a bit and um, centre himself for the trial to come. Okay, so. Uh, Corwin is going to prepare a bunch of uh, entirely different spells to his usual loadout. Yeah. Um, so, for starters, he needs plane shift to actually get you to the boneyard. Yes. Uh, which is kind of an essential first step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can, he's got a lot of spells, so he can do all this pretty trivially. Yeah. Um, he needs a plane shift. Um, he needs another plane shift to get back again. Yep, I'm in favour of both. Um, he will need at least a divination to... I, I'm not going to actually do this one on screen because the questioning and the answers are weird, but plane shift doesn't move you right to where you want to go automatically. Yeah, It moves you to somewhere on the boneyard that's related to 
where you're coming from, unless you're specifically trying to go somewhere. So what he's going to need is a divination to tell him ish where to go. Where yep. is Corwin's grave within the boneyard? Yeah. The answer to which is just going to be in location blah, but he needs to actually find it out. Yeah. Uh, he is also going to prepare a commune to um, find out... Um, Again, tracking down his grave and yes or no questions. Uh, one of the ones that he'll he suspects he knows the answer to, but he's going to insist on asking anyway, is basically, is this okay? Have okay. <laughs> you yep. come to the boneyard to do this? Yeah, no. Because if he gets a direct no from his goddess, then he ain't going anywhere. But yeah. he's not expecting that answer. Yeah, but Kaelin is completely pro pro checking in with Rasmus before we um, plane shift into the afterlife. Uh. Technically speaking, you have a bunch more questions attached to that. Um, Colin says, I'm, I'm happy to ask them, but only if they're rela- only if they're about what we're doing here and why. You know, it's not something that won't be pestering on. So, if that's the main one he wants to know with commute. If there are other things you want to know about destroying the sword, uh, Orvin Bainey related things, Boneyard related things. I yes, no th- th- questions. Th- those are not the things I want to know about, so I'm good to just leave it at that. Uh, if there's anything else you want to commute on, you can ask Corwin in the form of the GM, and he'll tell you, yes, I think that's fine, no or not. The, um, the ones I want to ask about are very explicitly not Boneyard yeah, related. Yeah. He, he's basically got bigger problems than he doesn't want to. Well, I'm here, I'll answer three questions about some yeah, of this, the, the, this seems like an inappropriate time. Uh, so, his sixth level spell, two of his fifth, and two of his fourth, by the time he gets through all these things. Yep. So, he's burning a bunch of... You don't really need to see any of this on screen, no, it's no. not terribly interesting. Um, when he comes back, he says, I right, well, I think I've got what I need now to get us close enough. Alright, well, that'll, that'll do then. Um, is there anything that you want to do before we before we head away? Nay, lad. I think I've done everything I can here to do. So, Caelan will have taken care of a few preparations on his part. Um, I think Caelan has already made his will, mm-hmm. but he will update his will. Yep. And have um, spoken a few words to Bryn and to Tristram and um, probably to Varn as well, just um, in the event that he doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I and, um, you know, the others know what... Uh, the uh, the four of us, the five of us know the other four of us know what Corwin is doing. So if people want to say anything to Corwin, they can presumably have taken care of that today. Yep. At which point, well, whatever happens, it's been an honor. Uh, um, it's been an honor and a privilege to know you, and you've brought great things into this kingdom. But. I think we should just go on and take what fate the gods have in store for us, yeah? Aye, lad. That's the most any of us can do. Let's find out together what's on the other side. Shakes your hand. Uh, if you desire, uh, you also gain a point of relationship with him here, because you have checked one of his boxes, which is Slay Armag the Twice Born. Ah, uh, neat. Should not be. Yep, that puts me up to 21, so. Things for the book. You move off somewhere semi-private, and Corwin casts Plane Shift, which happens instantaneously. Yep. So this is the first time Galen has voluntarily gone to another plane of existence. Yes. Um, so Corwin puts 
takes takes your hand um, and then says Lady of Graves if it be your will allow us to step into your boneyard to the realm of judgment we must go let it happen then and he begins to softly pray under his breath and the room around you just fades with alarming rapidity uh, and can you roll me a percentile check this is cool and rolling it but you're playing the bigger one Uh, that would be a 90. Okay, so Corwin doesn't really have a great idea where he's going. Um, and then can you roll me roll me a percentile dice again, and then times it by 5. Okay, uh, 315. So the room that you are standing in fades out very rapidly, and with a cold flickering is replaced by something else entirely. It's in the span of about four breaths. Reality goes foo, 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 and is gone entirely. And when you come to, you are standing somewhere else entirely. And when you look round, it is as if you are in a vast, endless graveyard in every direction you look. But everything is identical. There are endless gravestones in every direction, but every one of them, the grave is dug to the same height, same width, same everything else. Every gravestone is just a plain semi-cylinder stone marker with no... Uh, they've all got names and indicators on them, but there's no elaborate mausoleums, nothing of the sort here. And um, when you come to, you are just standing here in the midst of all this, and most of all, what you will notice, this place feels... It feels... It's not actually disturbing, Kaelin, but it's it's so still and so absolutely dead quiet. Nothing alive is here at all. And the moment you begin to move around and move your feet and you can feel hear your breath and the slight clank of your armour and that sort of thing, it feels like a disturbance here. It is... You're not making vast amounts of noise by any stretch of the imagination, but it shatters the complete and utter silence that is here. The total stillness. It was made for those who are dead. And the, the dead, dead keep, keep it. it. Yes, indeed. Alright. And Corwin looks round and he says, Well, I know where I'm supposed to be of a sort, looking for my gravestone but I'll be looking around for me ancestors the people of the deep mines where I've come from that sort of thing uh, I don't even know what these names mean here and he looks at the gravestones you've got around and they are very foreign names uh, and can Caleb give me a knowledge geography yes but apparently no that is a four. Okay, so when you look at these, uh, they're foreign. They're in a language that you don't understand, which doesn't tremendously surprise you. Um, and there are a bunch of dates on them. 
that the dating system used, you you understand the four thousand years after Rover Gug thing. Like these are definitely them. These graves are oh two and a half thousand years old and look completely and utterly undisturbed in every way. The stone is not worn, pitted, chipped, worn by time, anything of the sort. Bunch of foreign names, bunch of foreign words. You don't speak the language, you don't have any cultural context as to where they came from. Well, this certainly isn't. This is. These graves are more than 2,000 years old. Alright, well, if I had to guess, I would say we're in the wrong place. Uh, these are not anything close to my people. Uh, he, he sort of shrugs slightly. I guess the only thing we could do is uh, walk and find our way then. Alright, well, let's see if we can pick a direction that moves us in the right direction time-wise. Yep. Head for the present. Okay. And with no context to go from, you are now on a search check. Yep. Uh, which Corwin will endeavor to assist you with, but you can get dice first. Um, I've got a one search. Um, he might be better to roll his own check. By all means. Because um, then if um, I roll poorly and he rolls well, we at least get the better of and neither of you actually have knowledge of the planes or any real idea of what the fork you're doing here. No. <laughs> Gorn wafts that spectacularly. I get an 11. Okay. So, you sort of take your best guess. You don't know where... You don't have any context for where you are. Your vague understanding is that locations in the Boneyard very vaguely correlate to locations in Galurian. But it's not a one-to-one location, so mm. you don't turn up in the boneyard equivalent of Elk's Rest. Um, Corwin abstractly guesses that you're miles off target, but has no idea that it's 315 miles precisely. Yeah. Uh, which is the, the percentiles you were rolling. Yeah, no, I got that. Um, and um, the best you can... You, you make your best guess at it, which is follow the decreasing number of years, so you're yep. getting closer to the present rather than further away from the past. Yeah. And you walk, and you walk through row after row of graves. You can definitely find what you're looking for. These ones are two and a half thousand years ago. These ones are like 2,400 years ago. So... But it's it's like trying to find a street ad- address with no idea how the houses are numbered why the houses are numbered this way, no idea what street you're on, and no idea what city you're in. Yeah. And so you walk and walk. Uh, both of you can uh, give me a knowledge of the planes check here, if you desire. Yep. Uh, um, kill in that 20s, that. That would be helpful to you. Call one ones it. <laughs> so that's a 21. Okay, so... You feel like you've you've walked for a while at this point, um, but you don't feel particularly tired, or hungry, or thirsty, or like you need to go to the bathroom, or in fact any of your bodily functions. You're pretty sure that such things are completely suspended here in the boneyard because, of course, the place has no use for them. Uh, rest, fatigue. Um, you know, exhaustion, time, all that sort of thing has no meaning on this plane. Ah. Um, when you think about it, you think, huh, I've been walking for a while, now, I don't, you, you, what you can't, what you're struggling with is to get a good measure of how much time is passing, 
ordinarily Kaylin would be able to tell, holy crap, I'm exhausted and starving. We must have been walking for like eight to ten hours. But you have no distinction between I've been walking eight to ten hours and I've been walking twenty minutes because your body is not telling you any of the usual signals that you're used to. You're no more tired or more hungry than you are when you set in. Ah. So you have no idea where the time flows in a different rate at the boneyard, but you are struggling to keep track of time here yeah. because the chronological functions you are used to using don't work. Yeah. And so, uh, in the absence of you telling anything else, any, me anything else, I presume you sort of continue on. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah. And eventually, you start to actually see things the first and only disturbance that you have seen other than you and you were just walking through it's sort of this nicely manicured just very generic cemetery it's low cut grass of no particular origin that you could geologically determine you're walking you're walking and then you hear a noise that isn't you and Corwin for the first time in some time which is this little and a slight flapping of wings and when you look all around over 60 gravestones that way there is a sparrow sitting on it in there his head just tilted slightly sideways at you it's the first and only living thing you have seen here in at least some hours can I get the legend law that Corwin did for us on how to destroy Orvin back? absolutely uh, one moment Corwin To the realm of judgment you must go to face each man's final foe. Into your gravestone the sword thrice swing, see your fate, your future, and feel death sting. A mud twice born soul uh, A mug's twice born soul will die at last pass if slain neath the sparrow's looking glass. The sparrow's eyes. Yeah. Which Corwin took is the sparrows. Sparrows are psychopomps. They're soul furious of the soul. Yeah, cool. I knew the sparrows came into it somewhere. But. Yep. And yeah, there's a sparrow that way. Well, let's go take a look at it. You walk sixty graves on towards the sparrow. It just sits there, kind of completely unafraid of you. Uh, can you give me a knowledge nature check? I mean, I can. It's a five. Yeah. It's a sparrow. Yeah, it's a sparrow. It looks like a bird. Its eyes are very glass-like and seem quite deep. You can almost see yourself reflected slightly in them. It just sits on this gravestone, completely unafraid of you, tilts its head very slightly at you and twitters and flaps slightly more. Any suggestions as as to which way we should go? Caitlin says to the sparrow. Twit, twit, twit. That's my, my my best sparrow noise. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't sound anything like a sparrow, but that's what you're getting. Oh, well, I guess... It we, makes twittering noises at you. I guess we better just press on. I hope we're not having years and years pass by in the real world. Well, well I guess we can only do what we can do, lad. I mean, I suppose we could shift back out again. And No, the thing was, 
Yeah, the chances of me finding... I was thinking what we need is the kind of magic we used to track Van down, but we don't have time for that kind of... I, by the time we get that, by the time we get that sort of thing, because we did have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. By, by the time we, by the time we get that kind of scroll letter from Katapesh or whatever, uh, the twice the uh, the Tigerborn, the Tiger Lord army will be well upon us, as will anyone else who wants to stick their oar in about what we should do with all them. Then. I, I've got to just stick to my knitting, focus on getting rid of the sword. If it happens that the Tiger Lords have come up while we've been in here. Brennan, uh, um, Akaros and that can take care of them and the army. Alright, let's keep pressing on. At least we seem to be heading, heading more for the present day. But if you do have any wisdom to offer, I'd be glad of what Catelyn says again to the sparrow. Who just sits there. Uh, actually, you can give me a handle animal check here if you want to. Okay. Uh, that's a 13. Okay. So, this sparrow is weirding you out a bit. Um, sparrows are not exactly the most um, hostile or wild of animals anyway, so they don't usually flee the presence of people overtly, particularly because like the ones in your kingdom have learned that people mean food, mm. just like in the real world. So you're not particularly worried this thing doesn't freak out and fly away from this heavily armoured stranger here. Um, and but when you look at it, it's turning its head to the side, it's staring at you. It can definitely see you. It's well aware that you're here. But if anything, what you're getting out of it is curiosity rather than anything else. It it sees you, but you're not what it's here for. And it's vaguely interested in what you're doing here. Um, you've been told they're psychopomps, soul collectors. Yeah. You're still alive. Yeah. You are not the purpose this thing is supposed to interact with, but right. it doesn't have any frame of reference to interact with you. Yeah. Alright. Um, and there's no special significance to the grave it's sitting on? Uh, mumble something foreign language that you can't read. Yeah. Okay, we press on. Yep. And over time, you see another sparrow. And another one. And another one. And now they're following you. Yeah. There are about half a dozen sparrows just hopping quietly from grave to grave. And this is fucking uneerie because when you watch them, they sit there and do nothing. And whenever you turn your back and move a couple of graves, when you look round, they've moved. You walk five graves, they walk five graves. You watch them and you walk backwards for ten graves and they don't move. They just stare at you. And then you turn around and move one more... And look back, and they've moved eleven graves up after you. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and you you are increasingly of the opinion that these are not natural creatures in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, they may look like sparrows, but they don't behave like the the context that you were used to. However, um, as grave after grave after grave goes on you eventually find some things that you can actually read. Yes. Um, they are written in this weird foreign language known as Orcish. Ah, excellent. Um, and they appear to be... Uh, can you give me... I would take history at this point. Uh, that's a five. Yeah. 
but um, I'm probably prepared to spend one of Corwin's fate points on getting us uh, endeavouring. Like, I, I just keep failing these checks. By the way, it's passed me the box of fate points. Huh? Have a reroll. Okay. And um, there's no um, con cards you can swap swap with mine. Oh, yes. Uh, con shields, isn't it? Yeah. I can have a shield card. Yep. And, um, for now, I can have a, can has a reroll. There we are. And look at that. I've got a 19 on that history. Okay. So you actually recognise this name and some of the context that it's attached to. Uh, this is some orcish equivalent to Chief Naz Throat Ripper, um, who is nobody of any vast significance as such things go, but he is an orcish chieftain from the uh, area of Belzin, around the other side of the... No, sorry, around your side of the Minespin Mountains. Um, and based on... Uh, based on the dates and that sort of thing, because you can openly read this, it tells you that this was Chief Naz Throat Ripper um, of Bloody Blah tribe of bells and orcs. Um, slain, slay, slain by men in assault on last wall, he fell to arrows, date about 200 years ago. And this actually gives you a time and a place and a cultural context for what you're looking at. So if this guy's here, and you look at the next one and you go yeah. 100 graves down, okay, so this guy's here, this guy's here, which means the River Kingdoms are over that way. Sweet. And so if we want to head towards the River Kingdoms in the present day, they're that away. Alright, and I will pass this on to Corwin, and we head in that s- said direction. Yep, and the sparrows are flying again. Yep. You can now hear them. Every time you turn your back, you hear the of wings fluttering. There are over 200 of them following you at this point. These little guys know we're not supposed to be here. I, um, I'm glad we've got a direction. It's only a matter of time before something else else, else t- turns up to tidy the place up, I'd say. Uh, and can you give me another handle animal check, actually? Uh, that would be a 17. Okay, so... You have seen flickers of things off on the horizon in directions that you are not going. Um, What might look very vaguely at a long remove like lights or or people, maybe. What you've got is like a line of lights going down there, but not people. It's a cold, blue, almost soul-like light. And you realise as you see them, they've been there for a long time now, but they've just been slipping your mind, you've been so focused on the sparrows, and you realise what's happening here is the sparrows are herding you away from them. Ah. Subtly and quietly, they're not doing it by force, they're doing it by distraction almost, but they are endeavouring to keep you from getting to that line of lights. I will tell Corwin what I've worked out. Aye, well, let me check my knowledge religion here. Well, that's a nine, so that'll tell me. I guess what else would be in the boneyard would be souls waiting on their time. I mean, I suppose that's the sort of thing we're not meant to stick our oars into. Aye, and they don't know we've no desire to. All right, well, that's all right. Let's let's keep going in the direction we've headed, and that'll give these little guys some peace of mind, perhaps. 
and the sparrows follow you some more. And then you start to get to the river kingdoms. And these are definitely names that you more commonly recognize out of history. Bob the Miller means nothing to you, but his name is written in the cultural context of the River Kingdoms. Um, you definitely know who Lord such-and-such Sotova is. He's like 150 years before you, and was a noble of middling prominence who briefly held the throne at Brevoy before he accidentally fell down a well and died. Um, so we're definitely heading for Corwin, but we're heading for Corwin's deep dwarf area of the River Kingdoms, not um, not my, not my area. We're, we're heading for Corwin's grave. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, like he's from the northern parts of Brevoy, basically. Yeah, okay. Where, so where the northern parts of Brevoy touch on the Crown of the World Mountains. Yep, right. Gotcha. So you yep. are looking in the right place. Yeah. And you are starting to head towards more dwarven mm. names. Sweet. And so, so and so Iron Forge. And closer to the present yeah, day. So yeah. and so Coal Hammer, etc., etc. And in all of these, it lists their um, it lists their deaths very coldly, very precisely. Uh, the Lord in Brevoy that we're looking for um, fell down, fell into a well while trying to get water. It's uh, a vague running joke. That's what happens to idiots. Uh, this is, however, assassinated by his father. Ah, uh, yeah. Of his grave, quite yeah. blatantly, and no details of his death at all. Yeah. Um, some of them inexplicably say things like, um, you know, Bob Miller, who is nobody you know of at all, and is presumably a Miller by his name and trade, uh, died heroically. Mm-hmm. Um, so-and-so here died making the wrong choice. Ah, yep. And a bunch of other things that you have no real context for, but are mildly uh, disturbing anyway. <laughs> and you head around, and at this point, you are not a paladin, so you're not immune to fear. Can you give me a will save versus fear? Uh, 28. Okay. And, and kind of high us though. Corwin also, you know, scratches the back of his neck, looks around a bit, and he says, I... Us, us being here, and you notice that the two of you, your voices have just sort of dropped lower and lower, the more you feel like you're intruding on this place. I know we should. She told me so herself, but this ain't no place for our kind. Nay, the sooner we find what we're looking for, the better. And you are feeling this cold sense of creeping dread on the back of your neck. It is not compelling you to any behaviour, but Caelan can feel afraid without being forced to do anything or being shaken or anything. Um, You feel like you shouldn't be here. And the further you go into the lands and the people that you know, the the more you feel this. Yeah. Um, The... The forces that control the Boneyard don't seem overly troubled if you're looking at the names and manners of death that come from some guy in Mwangi 2,000 years ago that you neither know nor have context for nor care about in any way. On the other hand, as you understand this, it would be completely possible to hunt up, say, your grave here, your father's grave, Tristan's, your wife's, your children... Yeah, and my are, grandchildren. Yeah, and, and the concept occurs to you, and that's what's chilling the back of your neck. Yeah. It's freaking you out, and you're 
at this point probably endeavouring to find your way while looking at as few graves as you can get away with. Yeah, and I'm also very comforted that we're in the dwarven areas, because I definitely yep. don't want to stray into sort of, say, yeah, the thorny areas. Well, you really don't want the one where you find, you know, Bryn Thorn murdered by her husband five days from now, and your mind just blows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, but, but, but what? But... But now that I've read it, does it have to come true? But, yeah, but yeah. what? Yeah, I want no part of... Um, so we're, we're keeping going, looking at... You know, we sort of have to look at some of the dwarven ones for navigation purposes, but that we're, we're keeping that to a minimum. Yeah. Um, and that cold, creeping feeling on the back of your neck gets worse, and then you come to one that reads... Uh, Steel River right place wrong time this this one is Caelan looks and he goes ah hopelessly old 600 years old and Corwin looks at it and he says aye he was he was me grand he was me grandfather he was me grandfather yeah that's about right mining accident we're close I'd say alright and now you have to start looking at more and more of them goes Corwin's grandfather Corwin's father and then Would, wouldn't it be Silvertongue? I mean his he was called Cor- Corwin Silvertongue oh yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah just just checking yes 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 so we find a grave Troika Silvertongue I and he sort of stops and stares at it for a long moment my wife died and he stares at the grave for a moment sort of turns his head sideways um, and when Kaelin looks at it as well uh, can you make me a will save again no particular fear he thinks not that you, I think you have any anyway uh, 30 ok so when you look at this um, you see she has a birth date which is written clear as clear as day, which I could give you specifically, but you don't care. You know, it's it's a couple of hundred years ago because she'd be a reasonably old dwarf at this point. And then it goes birth date dash, and then there's this this sort of blur there. And when Kevin looks at it again, you think that this is um that. that her date of death is written and confirmed and is a thing that you should theoretically be able to read off this gravestone but it's not a thing that you're supposed to read off this gravestone um and what you're actually looking at here is you've made the will save your will save is actually protecting you from this knowledge your brain is subconsciously trying to shut it down because looking at this sort of information is going to do things to your brain and and this is not so bad because this is the gravestone of somebody whom you don't know, who is associated with somebody you do know. But Kaylin basically thinks looking at this would fill knowing having this knowledge of when she would die would fill him with a cold chill and fear and make you shaken. That's somebody at a remove. Looking at Corwin's and knowing when he'll die would do worse than make you shaken looking at your own gravestone and endeavouring to look at it would make you insane. Right. Hmm? 
as in literally the the uh, condition insane. Yeah. Where you look at Kalen's gravestone, and if you make your will save, then you can't perceive what's written on it because your mind doesn't want to know. Yeah. And if you don't, then you find out, and then you go insane. Yeah. As your mind's way of erasing that information from your head, you look at it and you still don't know, but you can no longer think straight in any way. Uh, and Corwin also makes his and looks at the same. She says, I. She's, she'll die. Nay, we're not supposed to know that, that sort of thing. I think my brain's trying to keep me from looking at it. And he sort of looks away conspicuously. I'm not meant to know. Well, that'll be a good trick then. So I need to find me gravestone and hit it with a bloody bastard sword without looking at it. I guess we could go around the back. Or I can I can look at it and check it's yours. It's Yeah, because you've got to know, knocking on some random... Yeah, it's it's it it'd maybe better be me looking at these at this point. I mean, these aren't my these aren't my family. I'll try not to focus on the dates or the names too much, yeah. but 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 you should literally be standing next to Corwin's one in some manner of the ring of nine or so stones around him, and they're all perfectly spaced apart uniformly. All right, let me edge around and um, see what I can find, and you maybe just. Kind of stay put and don't look at this one. Right. Uh, I assume that he has Auburn Bane at this point, because you've probably given yeah. it to him. Yes, He's that seems... He's got it idly strapped over his back. That seems appropriate. So, Kaelin will very carefully... Look at the next one. Look at the next one. Uh, can you give me... Uh, a percentage... Uh, 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 roll a d10? No, I think I would actually take a spot check here... It's you're trying to look to get information without looking at any more than the absolute minimum. Yeah. I think spot would be the best skill. You're you're trying to deliberately it's not see a thing. It's a peak skill. I'm trying to I'm trying to look without looking. Yeah, I will buy another argument if you have a better one for how you can look at something without absorbing the knowledge of it. No, I, I totally buy spot. That's nineteen. Okay. So when you look at the next gravestone over, the first words you read are Corwin Silver Tongue, and then it, it, no, it's Corwin Steel River, no, it's Corwin Silver Tongue, no, it's Corwin Steel River, no, it's Corwin Silver Tongue. You, you definitely read that, and then you snap your head away. The grave says both of them in the same place at the same time. And then the words didn't change, and there's only one last name there, but it's both Silver Tongue and Steel River, and your mind goes, twit, 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 twit. Okay, that's what we're settling on. That's what it is. It says both at the same time. That's not possible. That's what it does anyway. All right. I'm not looking at it anymore, but this one's yours, Corwin. You should not be here, mortal. That one you definitely hear, but it is not a voice. It is just this cold chill, like a bony finger stroking the back of your neck. And when you look round, you see the sparrows that were following you have all backed right up. They're two, three hundred graves away from you at this point, but there are a lot of other things there that were not there a moment ago. And each of them is relatively small, so the size of a halfling or so. They're floating in the air, and they are in dark cloaks, holding scythes, 
and dressed in long black robes that have a vague substance at the top, hence why I say halfling size, and then just fade away to what's openly just a blank empty robe hanging there. They look very much like your classic sort of Grim Reaper-esque figures of death, but you make about 12 of them sitting there behind you. And it is this multi-pronged voice you hear telepathically echoing in your head. You should not be here, mortal. And Corwin sort of looks around. Aye, well, that'd be the defenders of the boneyard. Aye. Yeah, we know. uh, um, We'll be as quick as we can. And, um... Can you give me a sense of motion? 24. Okay, so you sort of endeavour to stammer out your explanation, looking to make some sort of diplomacy check or possibly intimidate against them or something like that, as they begin to drift slowly towards you, and you quickly realise that there is no humanity in these things whatsoever. No reason, no fear, no... just this sense of inevitability... You should not be here because only the dead are here. There's only one solution to this. They are going to kill you. And there is nothing here that you can reason with. There's there's intelligence behind them, but there's no emotion. There's no give. There's no give. Their their mission is not one that they can compromise on. It is is literally, their nature is, this place is made by the dead, and the dead keep it. Alright. I don't think they want to hear that we've got a very good reason. I think maybe you destroy the, you try and destroy Orvenbane, and I'll try and keep him off, and then we'll see about maybe getting out of here. I and he turns to pull Orvenbane, and that's when we will go to initiative. Yep. Yes, I was aiming for we make our tactical plan and commit to and commit to a course of action, thus heading into initiative. I didn't feel we could just. It's bang it really times three runs really swiftly and quick skip the getting hit by any of the reapers. Yep. So Kalen Corwin. It's not too funny about this, I'm going to list death as your opponent. Yep. Just you have no knowledge of the planes. It's presumably some sort of extra planar wadget. Yeah. But it looks like the Grim Reaper. They look like little miniature deaths flying yeah. towards you. And then I'm going to put anonymous question mark on here. Yeah. I don't think we want to grid this because there's no... Um, no. We, we just kind of generically buy Corwin's grave and there's a whole bunch of Reapers closing in. But I will actually give you a little mini-map here. Because the position in makes a difference. Yeah, but... the Reapers are not closing in. They are all coming implacably this way towards you. Right, yeah. You are not surrounded. They have literally appeared behind you. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm sorry, eight and if I said something else, I need to say eight. Okay. Well, that's a plus because you said twelve, so I'm I'm happy with eight. Uh, there are so there there must be two hundred sparrows still around behind you, 
and eight of these Reaper things that have just appeared out of nowhere with no warning, no context, and no sound whatsoever. And they do not in any way seem to disturb the stillness of this place. It's you that shouldn't be here, not them. Yeah. <laughs> and they begin floating vaguely towards you, and that's when we will go to initiative. Yes. Kaelin gets a 15. Corwin gets a 19. He's been training for this his whole life. Yep. Death gets... Uh, massively less. Yep. Death is on five. And Mr. Question Mark is just above death. Yeah, it's um, it's not the speed that counts with death, it's the inevitability. Yep. That is the sound of inevitability. So they are beginning to float slowly towards you. Their sides are sort of wicking slightly from side to side, but completely soundlessly. And they themselves make no sound at all. The voice is only in your head, and there's only this one thing repeated again multiple voices echoing over each other you should not be here mortal and they begin to float towards you and Corwin is the first one up uh, I will draw in Corwin's grave draw his grave on here yep yes, behind, at, where he's positioned is perfect because he's behind it which is where we want to be that pen can go in the garbage yep And he will draw Orban Bane and sway. I know, I know. This is not what this is not where it's supposed to be. This is not what I intended. But nonetheless, here we are. We have to take the fate that finds us, not what it is that we want. And if we shouldn't be here, he looks down at Orban Bane. That Amarg shouldn't be here either. This cheeky bastard earned his way into here a long time ago. Let's keep him here. And swings at the grave. Uh, as he does so, this should be trivially easy. It's just a solid stone object sitting there. But Corwin seems to find it impossibly difficult. He is having to push his sword through thick air and actually take a swing at it. The grave is not moving, but it actually has a high AC because it has basically a shitload of supernatural deflection bonuses added to it. Yep. Uh, he, however, will still swing. Uh, he is not proficient with a bastard sword. Uh, uh, nonetheless, he smacks Orvin Bane into the grave, and there is a clang noise, um, like, like metal hitting stone, but the thickest, hardest stone wall you've ever heard of in your life. Just this solid and this not only breaks, but shatters the stillness of the boneyard. It ripples through here, and the sparrows go berserk. They rise to their wings in a flurry, in a frenzy, and and the whole boneyard seems to come to life as this happens. Yeah. The sparrows go bananas around you. Yeah. And Corwin uh, will swing again and miss wildly the second time. Yeah. Um, Kalen is going to move to here. Yep. Between Corwin and the Reapers. Yep, they are 200 foot away from you as your wager. Yep, and take a total defense action is um, my plan. 
I'm a total defense action. Um, that's the one where you can't make attacks of opportunity. Yeah, that's a point, isn't it? No, I, I'm going to fight defensively. Okay. That's the one where you can make attacks of opportunity, they're just lessened. Yeah, and I will draw Gatekeeper. Yep. Seems appropriate at this yep. time. And and guard Corwin's back, essentially. I don't particularly want to fight these things, and I don't think fighting them is going to... Like, if I pick off all eight with my awesome leak sword prowess, another eight will come, and then yeah. another eight, and then another eight. So I'm going to hold the line. Okay. They close to within 100 feet of you. Okay. They simply glide forward utterly silently, noiselessly, and the only thing is that one echo again, you should not be here, mortal. I presume Mr. Question Mark does nothing in particular? No. Okay. They're close to 100 feet of you. Um, then... Mr. Question Mark does nothing in particular, that's death. Then Corwin swings at the grave and he says, Come on, yeah. Sorry, lad, this is much harder than it looks. He forces himself to swing again and sort of bounces off the gravestone. He hits it, but there's no clang or anything. It just goes... Bonk. And when you look a little closer over your back, he brings it within 40 centimetres of it, and it just bounces off some barrier around it. Just keep trying. I'll I'll hold as many of them off as, I can, as best and I can. He is obliged to make a will save. As you see his head being drawn almost unconsciously, to like he can't not look at it. Yeah. Uh, he can, however, prevent himself from looking at it. But this is the kind of thing where his, he's standing next to his own grave that will tell him everything he could ever want to know about his future. Yeah. And some part of him can't help but try and look at it. Yeah. But his will asserts itself. Yes. Okay. And that is Corwin. Back to Caelan. Yep. And same thing. <sighs> the Reapers glide up towards you. Yep. Um... Several of them are going to provoke from you as they go past you to hit Corwin. Yep. Uh, basically, they're closing all around you. Uh, they will all provoke... Several of them will provoke all over the show. You don't have combat reflexes, do you? No, so, so I can only hit one. Feel free to take a shot at one if you so choose. They're going past you towards Corwin, licking their sides. Yep. And at you, it must be said, but lots of them. Yep. So um, I, will take a sw- I will take an attack of opportunity swing... Now, fight defensively is plus two to AC, minus two to attack. Minus four to attack. Minus four to attack, yep. Okay, um, so that is an 18 on, uh, sorry, a 19 on the um, first one. Okay, so you pretty trivially hit this thing as completely heedless of your weapon, it just floats past you. Yeah. When Gatekeeper hits it, it almost seems to pass through it and then ripples and maybe finds some solidarity. Because Gatekeeper is a magical weapon, you have a 50% chance of hitting incorporeal foes with it. Ah, which is extremely relevant. Which is better than your non-magical chance, which is zero. Yep, so I will, um, high as as a hit. Yep. And that is a mess, it passes straight through. Yep, for a moment it's as if there's some substance in this figure, and then the blade passes straight through it. Yes. And then they close all around you. And there we are. Not too many of them make it past past me. To call no, one. that is as far as they get. They yep. double move to fly a hundred feet closer. Yeah. Get up to corn and just heedlessly go past you. Pretty. Several of them are threatening you openly. Yeah. But the the others 
what you get off it is you don't sense any fear or hesitation off them. There's no conception of that's a warrior with a sword that could potentially harm me, I need to move past it carefully. It just goes target and goes straight past you and provokes in the process. As if it doesn't fear dying. Yes. And that is all of that. That is all of that. That is death. Back to Corwin. Yes. Right. The sparrows rise up in what is now a tornado of screaming sparrows. They are going bananas and they are not anywhere close to you. They are still 100 100 odd foot that way. Yep. But they're going berserk. Yep. And again, there's there's that boom and ripple and you hear something in this one. Uh, it is a man's voice, and it ripples out from the sword, a verbal cry. No, I won't! <laughs> Deep, bellowing, and sounding very much, very much like, um... What it sounds to you like is it sounds like the voice that Nirian the Terrible was trying to put on. Yep. Yeah. This is Amag, twice yes. born. Uh, well... It seems appropriate I should use this line at least once. And Helen will say over his shoulder to the sword as it comes back up on the back swing, Your time's up. <laughs> and then he will look look around at his many, sm- many small, terrifying foes. Keep him off me as long as you can, lad. Alright. Alright. Hey, boys. I know I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, I'll gladly leave. But we need to do this little thing first. And that means... I need some of you to go down for me. And Kalen will pick target one of the ones in melee with Corwin. He will drop fighting defensively, as yep. does his action. He can make this choice and just go for regular attack. Yep. And he will take a swing at the first guy. Yep. We will see what we will see. So to begin with, I will roll my 50% mischance. Yep. And I potentially connect. Yep. And I get a 30 to hit effortlessly. These guys have almost no defences of any kind, AC-wise. It doesn't move. It doesn't dodge you. There is no real armour there, no resistance to your blow. As soon as you hit it with gate with Gatekeeper, as long as you don't pass straight through it, it's... It, you, literally, they have an AC of 10. So. Sweet. Okay, and then... Do I think I... Caleb isn't experienced enough warrior to pick this up. Yeah. Their AC is a flat 10. Because they make no effort to dodge you whatsoever. So, um, Kaelin is rolling a, um, do I roll the acid damage? Absolutely. Set, yep. Just roll it all together? Yep. Once you hit them with the magic weapon, assume that they are not immune to anything it can do. Okay, that is 17 points of damage. Uh, can I have a scribble pad? Yes, you can. Although I probably won't need it, given the amount of damage you got. Bang. Gatekeeper slices through it. And the thing just Obi-Wan Kenobi's. The, the robe is empty. You slice into it, you feel something solid in there. Despite the fact it's got this appearance of bones and the Reaper in there and little arms holding the scythe, the blade passes through the scythe, hits just a massive energy rather than bone inside it, and the robes just flutter down and collapse bonelessly onto the ground with nothing inside them. Kaelin keeps swinging, and then when you look round, the the robes themselves are gone as well, as if this thing was never here. 
And I'm going to cleave. Yep. To this one. Yep. You gotta get ugly for death. Uh, well, the third yeah, one, yeah, I've the, the incorporeal. They're largely relying on their incorporeality to defend them, it must be said. Um, the incorporeality fails, so I hit. Yep. So, uh, that's, uh, 23. Bang. Uh, as you cannot fumble, and, um, probably are not feeling any desperate need to power attack, seeing how fast these things go down. No. Uh, I'm perfectly happy if you don't want to bother rolling your attacks, because you can't fumble, and I assume you had AC-10 standing on your head. Oh, yes. So it's only the incorporeality that is your challenge. Okay, do I need to roll damage to see What's if I... What's your minimum damage? Uh, 11. No. Okay. <laughs> you cannot right. fail to kill these things. Alright, then I'll just roll, um, I'll just roll mischance. Yep. So, mischance for this boy, and I miss. He is well, incorporeal. passes cleanly through him. I take two of them down, and then I make my second swing. Yep. At which point it's going to be, um... So... At which point, um... I can't miss them on the second swing either. Yep. Yeah, that, that's the only relevant bit. And I can't cleave anyway. Uh... So, um... Hang on. One... It's one to five, yep. And I missed the um, I missed the second one on the incorporeal. I, I take a swing at this one with my second attack and miss on the incorporeality. Yep. And now it's uh, mystery guest, no? Yes. And then death. Yep. And now this is going to be ugly. Yep. Um, because they start to swing their sides at you, and you sort of bring your sword up to try and parry these blows away and that sort of thing. And the ghostly scythe just goes straight through it. They're touch attacking me, aren't they? No, they're ah. incorporeally touch attacking you. Uh, they, they're not actually touch attacking you per se. Yeah. They're making incorporeal attacks against you. Yeah. Uh, so this ignores your armor. Yep. Your shields. Yep. Your natural armor. Uh, yep. You get deflection bonuses. That would be useful if I had you, one. You get any force related things like mage armor and that. Yep. Of which I presume you have none. No, that does that, that knock your armor down to base. It's basically dex at that point, I think. It's and dex I, and deflection. And I have neither of either. Yep. So you and have an AC of ten. I have an AC of ten. Well, don't feel bad. Corwin has an AC of twelve, so he's not exactly going to um, yeah overwhelm you here. So death closes. Did did one of those guys provoke? Yeah, they're about to. Give me a moment. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's all good. Um, so two of them move in such a way that technically, based on the terrain, they could five foot step. They don't. Yep. They, it's The action has no meaning for them. They're not afraid of provoking attacks of opportunity from you in any way because they can't be afraid and they're not worried about dying. Yep. So two of them provoke from you as they roll around Corwin. Um, I'll roll the incorporeality sure. and see if I hit. I do not. Yep. Blade passes through it. And then four of them poke. Four of them poke. No, this guy can't actually get round to Corwin. So three of them poke you, three of them poke Corwin, and these scythes just wick soundlessly into you. Yep. Uh, one of them miraculously actually misses you by sheer fluke chance. Sweet. You step slightly, you step very slightly sideways, and what it hits is is the gravestone, which actually seems to be a solid object that exists in its reality. Mm-hmm. The other two wick into you with ease. Uh, 
you feel no damage from this whatsoever. The scythe cuts through you and cuts out the other side without physically harming you. And your heart stops. Can you give me a fort save versus death? Okay! And then follow it up with another fort, fort save, save versus, versus death. death. Hardcore! Not mess around, Let's not be here, mortal. Okay. I advise you don't roll a lot of ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, well, I'd like to succeed on these, so tell me if this succeeds. So, um, that's a 23 on the first one. Yeah, your heart stops for half a second as you just feel... So what you feel off this is this is not, like, damage. You, I don't think you've ever been death-touched before. No, I've seen Corwin do it a lot, though. So I have seen what happens uh, to other people. Actually, you have. Corwin killed you. Oh, yes, of course. And it feels like that. But much less, Corwin's one feels like there's some force, not quite malevolence behind it, the way you dealt with him, but Corwin feel, Corwin's one feels like there's some force and will behind it. This is just, it is. Death is the end of all things, and this is just, your heart just stops. No drama, no slow beat, you just go from alive to dead in that heartbeat. And you've got to, your body has to force itself to get your heart beating again. So for yeah. half an instant, your breath stops, your sight stops, everything in your world just stops. Then you, your heart beats frantically. Then the second one hits you. Yep. And as the dice fell off the table, you die automatically. Alright, and that's the exact same number. Yep. So, I failed to die twice. Good for you. Uh, four of them endeavour to poke Corwin's AC of 12. Hit, hit. Hit. Uh... Oh, his AC is high enough that he actually dodges one of them. Okay. And, and that's then... only has to make three fortitude saves versus death. Death, yes. However, um, as these things hit Corwin, he... Winces sort of grunts slightly as he feels the cold chill upon him. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Uh, and as a dwarf, he has a plus two bonus against this because it is a um, it is a spell-like ability. Uh, on top of that, uh, he has. I think you may you may know this one already. You may. Know. Uh, I, 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 is this what he used when the that? Um ghostly, um, that, that ghostly assassin of, um, I, I remember he had immunity when, um, that, um, thrice, thrice, the thing that came thrice came to kill him. Uh, yeah, not, not immunity, but, um, one of his traits is, is literally, one of his traits is deep diver, which gives him bonuses to swim and that sort of thing. Swim is a class skill. The other one is death will not take me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty applicable here. Uh, it gives him a plus two to all save bonuses against fear and death. Yep. It doesn't come up a lot, but here it is. So he's adding plus four to his fortitude save dwarf. There's yep. two for being a dwarf, two for his trait that says death will not take him. Yeah. He's making three fort saves, which he is definitely fine. Uh, four is just fine. Yep. And is fine. Yep. So... He, again, you see this from the outside, he blinks, just stops entirely and stops moving and goes stiff for a moment and then fights it off and keeps going. So he makes three fort saves versus death. Yes. And then it is Corwin again. Yes. Corwin swing. Miss. Thinks he might actually spend a hero point or two on this. Yeah, it seems appropriate. We're about to spend them to save us from death. Well, this will be hit number... Three. Three by my count, yep, which is so, what he is supposed to do. Yep, so I think, yes, we, we would like him to hit. 
Carolyn can take a couple of these guys, but the um, the... Uh, yeah, I think this is fairly critical. Uh, he will spend the dance on this. Uh, the dance being everything knowing its place in the universe. Everything has an order and a purpose. Uh, everything yes. is supposed to go the way it's supposed to go. Like, for example, when people die, they're not supposed to sit in orphan vein forever. Yes. <laughs> we will re-roll that twice. Uh, and... uh, he's going to mess with all of them. Okay, um, I'm good for him to spend another one. Uh, spend another dex related one. Mm-hmm. Right! Finally does better than that. Uh, and swings Orvenbane into the gravestone. There's this force pushing back against it. No, this is where you're supposed to be, lad. Pass on. It's what everything's supposed to do. You can't cheat her forever. Bang! Boom! Orvenbane snaps in half on the gravestone. This magic Bane weapon literally just shatters and breaks the sword clean in half as if you're breaking it over a knee. There's a loud snapping noise of metal and the blade falls out of Corwin's hand and it must be said it now looks dull and old and broken like some like just an old generic brand bastard sword from a thousand years ago rusted, disused and the sort of weapon Kaelin would not look at twice however something flows out of it energy of a kind which circulates and forms and then there is a man standing there translucent a huge, tall, broad-shouldered barbarian man carrying still this spectral blade and it looks it is does not look like any of the figures that you saw in the tomb, tomb any of the statues but it has that feel around it it looks like again the sort of person that Nirian was sort of modelling himself on Amag Twiceborn his spirit comes out of Orvenbane as it shatters and he no I won't go not while there are still wars to fight. Not while there are still victories to claim. And nobody will make me. Your mystery guest is Amag the Twiceborn. Ah. Uh, however, some of those little beasties are going to go after him. As you, um, as you doubtlessly heard when I, um, him. Amag Twiceborn's soul dies at last pass if slain beneath the sparrow's As looking glass. Yep. Orvin Bane is broken. Doesn't mean Amag is dead. Yep. And. Uh, that was Corwin. Yep. Who. Technically speaking, still has a second shot at this. Yep. Uh, so he will swing the. Ruin the end of this rusty greatsword he is holding in a mug because he can't change weapons out yep. without. Um... Uh, no, fuck it. He'll actually take his move action. He drops the remnants of Orvin Bane. Yep. Um, and he says, Right, lad. You thought you were going to be the clever dick who cheated fate, did you? You thought you were so high and mighty that you didn't have to come here, that you were better than all the rest of us, everyone mortal who passes through these planes. Well, guess what? You might be Ahmad twice born, conqueror of legend, big and scary man. But me? 
I'm a cleric of Phorasma, and this is my boneyard. What comes here dies here. That includes everyone. Even you, shake. And he draws Nettle Spike. Excellent. Uh, and he will... Because he can five foot step away, so he's getting some vague distance and room here. Yeah. Uh, then it is Kaelin. You can see this spectral figure of Ahmad here. Perfectly moved, Corn. And Kaelin... Yep. ...will five foot step to here. Yep. These things do vaguely swing at you. They're capable of taking attacks of opportunity. It's yep. only provoking them they're not worried about. Yes. But you're five foot six. So, so I'm fine. You dodge carefully away easily. Yep. Alright. Let's do this for real then. And Ahmad is waving around what is clearly Orvin Bane, but he is openly a ghost in here. You can yep. see right through him. You can see through Orvin Bane. And Hey, twice born Ahmad with damning cry I will never die you think you are strong enough to take my sword Kaelin and he glares at you he clearly knows right who you are he's clearly got some consciousness of what's happening around him you are not strong enough to be a vessel for me you are not strong enough to beat me you can beat all the pretenders you like but I am Ahmad twice born I was a legend before you ever drew your first blade. Come at me and learn what death is. Nay, lad, that's what you're here to do. I don't have to. I don't have to win. All you. All I have to do is make you die. And there's plenty of little fellows here who can help me out with that. All right. Everything has a time. Everything. And Kaelin will full attack among the twice born. <laughs> First shot. Yep. And that. It must is... be said, he has armor and weapons and looks like a warrior in life, but for the fact that he's completely and utterly translucent. That is a 27 to hit. Okay, you hit him. Uh, he does, unlike the other things, he endeavors to actually dodge this blow somewhat, but he is nowhere near quick enough. Yep, and rolling the regular damage? Uh, he is incorporeal, so you need to roll oh. this chance. Ah, yes. Okay. He's a ghosty. And I get through. Yep. And rolling uh, uh, rolling up the damage? Yep. Yep, he is absolutely immune to none of it. Okay. His defense, again, he actually has armor, but his defense is incorporeality. Okay. 16 points of damage. Okay. You slash into him with Gatekeeper... And no blood spurts out because there is no body here, just this the being of pure spirit. But he endeavours to parry your blow away, your blow hits him the side, he grunts like a man and twitches, and no spectral ooze emits from the wound or anything, but you cut him. You actually physically see the blade cut into his spiritual flesh, it's merely no blood flows out of it. But he looks injured. He is quite capable of being killed by Gatekeeper here. And Kaelin, um... Also wishes to reduce the number of people endeavouring to murder him. By all means. Um, and will cleave, cleave this. death. Cleave death. So. Uh, hit. Yep. And that one dies. Pop. And cleave death. Yep. Great cleave death. Too. Great cleave death. Hit. That Dead. one dies. Cleave dead. Yep. Miss. Blade passes through it. And then I will make my second attack on a mark. Yep. And 
I would imagine miss on a 15, on a 16. Yes. He dodges away from that one. Yep, I don't need to roll the incorporeality because I flat out didn't hit him. And he looks around, looks confused with the What is this place? This is no battlefield. This is no place to fight. I... I should not be here. You take me away from this place or I will kill you. He has, of course, no real leverage to make you do what he wants. Yeah. Even if you were actually capable of doing it, which you're not. Yeah. Um, and so he will merely, when you don't comply with his demands, you're welcome to talk back to him if you so desire. No, Galen just shakes his head. Uh, then I will take you apart until I find no, I'll take you apart and everyone here until I find someone who can send me back to the endless battle. <laughs> Swings wildly at you with Orban Bane. Yep. Uh, once again, incorporeal weapon. Yep. Yeah, this is going to be ugly. Yeah, it cuts into you with uh, trivial ease. Yeah. It must be said, he starts raging and swings into you, there's nowhere near the impact you would expect of this. He's got bulging muscles like a bodybuilder. The blade hits you and it feels cold and chill and deeply unpleasant, but not like there's a lot of strength behind the blow. Uh, most of his barbarian rage and all that sort of stuff is not overly going to help him here. Uh, that said, it is still a big honking greatsword. Uh, so can you take 13 damage off this? Yes. Yep. Your blood spurts off down it, and then he sort of turns, and exactly as you've seen Nirian do, kind of plants the blade down. He says, ah, orc blood! And your blood just kind of flows over the sword and then straight through it and onto the ground. That sword is not over yeah, there. No, no it isn't. You've already broken the artifacts. He has its its spirit. As a warrior's ghost, he has weapons, but he does not have orphan pain. Sweet. So he spends a move action endeavoring to activate it, and it does nothing. Excellent. Death. Yes. Death is going to hopefully go for all of us. Excellent. Death, Death provokes. Uh, yep. These two specifically. One of them is going for a mug, one of them is going... Uh, no, actually, sorry. Both of them are going for you. Right. Um, then I will take this one. Yep. Uh, and this. Okay. Uh, the other one floats towards a mug, looks over him for just the briefest moment with that empty glance from inside the hood and then turns back to you. You should not be here, mortal. The mug's dead. He's dead. Yep. He's supposed to be here. Yep. This is this is where he's gone to wait for judgment. Crap. Okay. Uh, and that is two of them poking you, two of them poking Corwin. You will notice that uniformly they split their attacks whenever they possibly can. Yep. Uh, both of them hit you. Yep. Both of them hit Corwin. Uh, two port saves versus, versus death. death. Uh, that's good enough. And that I think I will re-roll. What are you on? One. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, you should re-roll that. Here, Corwin will lend you this delightful fate point. Yep. Thank you, Corwin. That's what he's here for. Yes, I Just know. Just hang on, lad. Alright, and that's enough, because that's the... If I roll nine, I know that's enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And again, your heart stops for this brief moment, and everything goes black, and then Corwin shakes you slightly. Hang on, lad! They stab at him with their wicking sides, and he... <clears throat> no, it's not me time. This very moment. And holds on. And then, as we hit the end of the round, you hear it. That... This cacophony of wings and beaks clattering and howls of shrill, tiny fury from sparrows. If there were one of them, it would be almost comical. There are 200 of them in this swirling tornado of feathers and fury and pain. And that changes it right from comical to fucking terrifying. Sparrows enter initiative. And a gargantuan cloud of sparrows, swarm of sparrows, goes woof down on everyone here. Uh, when you see them, they pass straight through these reapers without touching them in any yep. way, shape, or form. The reapers are supposed to be here. Um, they pass straight through you and Corwin without touching you in any way. Unless you happen to be dead and a spirit, which you should probably tell the GM. Yeah, no, no, I'm alive. I made my last fortitude save. You haven't touched any of these sparrows yet when you've interacted with them. They're ghosts as well. Ah. They look like real sparrows, but literally one flies down, flies into your head, and Caelan, I imagine, braces and tries to bat it off. It goes straight through your sword, straight through your eye, and pops out the back of your head without physically harming you in any way. That said... This is kind of terrifying. This small, yes. ghostly, spectral tornado of it screaming went through sparrows. My head. Yeah, when you come round to the start of your turn, the swarm cannot hurt you, but it can damn sure scare you. Yep. Um, however, they pass through all the Reapers without touching him. They shred Amag. Yep. Literally, the sparrow after sparrow after sparrow hits him, claws his flesh, and he screams, No! I won't go! Swings at them, cuts down a couple that just disappear into ether as he hits them, and they start ripping him apart. It is not chunks of flesh flying off him, it is chunks of spirit, and they lift him half a foot off the ground as they endeavour to drag him away. And then... Amag takes a fuck ton of damage. Uh, Amag takes 24 points of damage as the sparrows rend him a bit. Sweet! And he screams and then finally bats them off enough to land on his feet again and he is still up. And then it is Corwin. Yep, who is in a swarm of terrifying ghost sparrows. Yep, who makes a will save versus fear. Uh, succeeds, holds on to himself, and I don't think he's going to bother with anything fancy here. Um, he looks over at Amarg, and he says, Like I said, his voice barely heard over the screeching of sparrows, you can only treat, cheat the lady for so long. I think a thousand or so years is more than enough, you little bastard. Now, come on, then. Let's see, let's see how hard you can die. Steps around and stabs out at him with his magical undead bane weapon. Ah, yes. Uh, 
which will hit Amag if he passes the mischance, which he does not. And with the second attack, we'll hit Amag and pass the mischance. So the first time Nettle Spike hits Amag, it passes through him without seeming solidarity. Corwin grunts slightly. Ah, oh, bloody ghosts! Huh? I got that. Ah, oh, fuck it! I'll just try stabbing this bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that time, Nettle Spike goes in. Uh, one. Fifteen points of damage to him. Very nice. And Amag again sort of howls and grunts a bit. Kaelin. Alright. We'll target Amag. Yep. And roll to hit. Likely hit, but fail the mischance, alas. Yep. And then take a second swing. No ghost touch weapons here. Alas, no. Um, 17 will likely miss. Uh, nope. Okay. He's raging now. Oh, for all the good it does him. Good for him. He's good. And alas, both times, both attacks will miss. So I don't get to use the, I don't get to do the cleave thing. Yep. Uh, Amag turns. Um, actually, no, no, there's no good, I, I will, um, Five foot step away from some of the ghosties for all the good it does me. Yep. And Amag will turn on um, turn on you. He says, Hi. What? What are you doing? Call them off. Armies of sparrows. This is not war. You're not supposed to. You can't. I won't. And it just endeavors to rend the shit out of you with all of them. Yep. <laughs> Uh, hit, hit. Yeah, yeah, the, um, the, fact, hit. the fact that he can't miss with his multi-attack thing is definitely more of a problem. You've got no DR against this, do you? No, I do not. Okay, so that'll be 17. 12 is 22. Uh, that is 31 points of damage from three different attacks. Yep. Again, there's no real force behind them. There's not a lot of his strength going into this. It's just the sharp edge of the great sword and like the force of his will pushing it through. Yeah. But this is not him hitting like Armag the twice born barbarian. Yeah. Him hitting like Armag's ghost. Yes. Death. Yes. We. We. Again, two of them provoke from you as they move on Corwin. Cool. And again, I will take a swing at one. Um, there's no point rolling that. What I need to know is going to miss. And I miss again, alas. Yeah. Two of them poke you. Uh, two of them poke Corwin. One crit threats him, which is completely meaningless because they deal no damage. Yep. I make the fort save. I make the fort save. I do not die. Well, uh, nor I... does Corwin. Sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's one of those all-or-nothing things. Yeah, You're yeah. either fine, or you are instantly dead. And even Corwin's stack, massive stack of fate points is starting to look yeah, slightly yeah, Corwin, sadder on it. Corwin has a plus 16 versus these. Yeah. No, sorry, slightly. It's a plus 15 versus these. But, you that's only, good. Yeah, you only need to he, fail only needs, one. he only needs a, a even reasonable roll. Yeah. You only need to fail one. Alright, and that was death. Yep. It's sparrows. And the sparrows... Uh, did you make your will save? Oh, minute? sorry. Uh, 25? Yep. So you managed to contain your fear and just fight through these? Yep. 
Uh, it's effectively the same thing as a regular swarm. You'll, you'll be yeah. nauseated in the sense that you panic rather than you start throwing up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. That's going to be a good day for the mine. Uh, 52 points of damage to him. Sweet. He's <laughs> up to 107 damage dealt. The sparrows rend him again, start lifting him up and start trying to carry him off. And he frantically thrashes and shouts at them, I am Gorham's champion of war. I will not be beaten by birds. <laughs> and again, pulls himself desperately to the ground by smashing a bunch of them away. They seem both undeterred by this and it's also kind of noticeable that he's not actually harming the swarm in any meaningful way. He cuts down three or four dozen sparrows every time he does this, but there are always more of them. <laughs> and Corwin says, the sparrows are flying again, you dead bastard. And they've come for your soul. If you'd, Maybe if you'd gone the time you were supposed to go, you'd have gone to somewhere happier. Me... I don't like the ladies. I don't like your chances at this point. Now, the lady's probably always fair and impartial in a way. I'm not. Me, I'll see if I can poke you on a little bit harder or a little bit more painfully. Yeah? Nipple spikes him. Uh, mischance hits. Uh, hits the AC with ease. Five, ten, eighteen points of damage to him. Well... And I think with his second one, Corwin will endeavor to jab his spear out and poke one of the guys menacing Kaelin. Yep. Uh, hits him. And I believe, yeah, also can't fail to damage this with his undead bane. Do for, uh, no, sorry. No, they're not undead, they're incorporeal outsiders. So he doesn't get his undead bane damage, so he actually needs to roll, and pops it anyway. He forces Nettle Spike through it. Reaper. Yep. Again, he stabs it in one side of the robe and out the other. The robe collapses around his spear. He pulls the spear back with the robe on it. And then as he turns back to our mark, the robe just isn't there between shots. Caitlin. You shouldn't have done what you did, but... We're warriors, you and I, and I understand the fear of, fear, fear of death. I'll ask, I'm feeling it now for that matter. I'll ask the Lady's Grace on you that you do find your way, Angel Gorham's land. But you are a dead man. You died a thousand years ago. This world is not your world. And the time and place you had to rampage across ours and harm my people, it's no more. Your time is done. All this, this is just delaying the inevitable. Alright, Kevin will miss and hit. Yep. So that is a, uh, or uh, rather hit the reality, but that's a 31. Yep, yep, you. His AC pretty easily. Again, yeah. he actually moves. He's not just a static blob, but his yeah. AC... You, you've you been Caelan twice born. You know what his AC looks like. Yeah. Why. <laughs> uh, and that's 20 points of damage. Smack. 
Gatekeeper cuts into his incorporeal flesh quite successfully. And the part I was really looking forward to, and because I hit him, yep. I get a cleaver tap. Yep. That one. Yep. Miss. And alas, that's as far as it goes. <laughs> Your kingdom for a ghost touch weapon. <laughs> I actually had an opportunity. I, I, I should have put it on my blade at some point. Alright, and it is a mag. And a mag <coughs> spits a a hoik of what should be spit and blood in some combination or instead just this blob of spiritual ectoplasm onto the ground. He said, oh, That to the lady's grace. She stole my life. Sent a red dragon against me because no mortal warrior could best me. You think you are great, River King. You are not me, no matter how much you want to be. That's why you didn't claim the sword. Because you are too weak to be what I would make you. To the lady's grace. He spits again. Damnation is all that I offer you. Damnation to all my enemies. Swing, bada, bada, bada. Swing, bada, bada, bada. Uh, again, he swings at the sparrows as he does so and just slices through them. He's obviously savvy enough to work out that the reapers don't... aren't accosting him in any way, so he just yeah. ignores them entirely. And three shots at Kalen. Hit, hit. Oh, fuck. Uh, yes, yes, that's still good. Crit threat, crit threat. Crap. Uh, miss on the last... No, sorry, uh, AC-10. Hits on the last one, but not a crit threat. Confirmations. Oh, fuck, he's only got to hit 10 to confirm. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. to kill me. Hit, hit. <laughs> yeah, so... You have the calculator if it's helpful to you adding it up. That's 58 points of... No, no, sorry. 53 points of damage. Yep. And Kaelin is still conscious. Just good stuff. All right. Oh, my. <laughs> Let's see if Kaelin dies here. Uh, the Reapers will split their attack, given there's now an uneven number of them. Do you want high or low? I'll have high. Corwin it is. So Corwin, Corwin, then Kaelin. Uh... A poke, actual miss. Corn dodges one of them. Uh, the other one hits Kaelin, of course. Yep. Uh, you need to give me one fort save versus death. Corn is two. I make mine. The scythes hit Corwin and bounce off him ah. as he nat twenties both his nat twenties his fort save. He, no, I told you before, it's not me time. I know you have your place and your purpose here, as we all do. But for today, I have to defy it. You're fine as well? Yep. Okay, bounce, bounce. The sparrows did descend upon our margs, screaming yep. and shrieking. 46 points of damage to them. Uh, that is 197 hit points that he's taken. And he looks terrible at this point. His body has literally been shredded by thousands of claws... He should have blood splurting out from everywhere and be dying all over the ground. Instead, he just looks like he's been pecked at thousands and thousands of times. This time, they get him up in the air 30, 40 feet before he cuts them off and just drops without a slight, the slightest lick of damage again. But he is hanging in by a thread. Yep, which is great, because so is Kayla. Yep. Yeah. Corwin, everything has a time, and everything dies. 
That doesn't mean that everyone's time is up today. Just some of us. Lad, even I don't know how this is meant to go. I have to just guess and hope and pray that your time isn't up today. And he will reach out towards you and endeavours to cast on you. Uh, he will make a concentration check. Oh, he can't afford Probably. Ah, yeah, actually, he can make that standing on his head. So, yeah, trivially, as long as he rolls a three or higher, he's fine. Mm-hmm. So, have a cure critical wounds. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Five. have 28 hit points back again. That is excellent. There we are. Caleb looks considerably less close to instant death. And that is all he's got. Yeah, oh, I'll take it. Alright. And Caleb will take a swing at a mark. Yep. Um, is it possible to use fate points to re-roll um, incorporeal mischances? Yeah, sure. Yep. And uh, do I re-roll both, or do I need to use one to re-roll uh, both? Yeah, you know, I'm perfectly happy for you to roll your attack and your mischance at the same time, but yeah. they're each separate dice for the purpose yeah. of spending fate points to re-roll them. So that is going to get pretty expensive. I mean, Amarg's AC is pretty shot, so what's your, um, to hit him? Uh, 23. Yeah. 22, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You smack it, like you're beating him by four points there without blinking. Alright. Um... Kalen will spend his last remaining um, hero... All these hero points, though. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, I'll take one of Corwin's. It's what Corwin's here for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and... Reroll the mischance, and that is another miss. Yeah. Yeah, the thing you, know, you can't do is, like, roll a d6 and add to that, because yeah. that completely um, shatters the point of using a d percentile. Yeah. I will use one more... Oh no, this is... Yeah, I'm going to use one more. We've really yep. got to take him down. So gets another go. The sparrows, it's pretty obvious to you at this point the sparrows are going to eat him, inevitably, sooner or later. Yeah, no, I miss on that one, and I will just take one more shot. And the second time I get the hit through. Fake points aren't needed, it's just persistence. Alright, um, and that hit goes through, and it is... 17 points of damage from Gatekeeper. Okay, and that will push him over his 203 hit points with ease. In fact, that will take him to instantly dead at minus 10, assuming that he didn't die at zero anyway, because he's a ghost. Yeah. Um, okay, so you swing the first blow at him, and Amag brings up his great, his spiritual greatsword, his version of Orban Bang. Tink, tink, tink. This is classic dueling. He parries several of your blows away, mostly with brute force rather than any subtlety. You swing hard, he swings harder and goes bang, 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 and then you get a blow in under him and he is fencing you off. He says, you fight hard. You are a warrior born. You would make a worthy general of my armies. (laughs) Take me back from here. I will give you what you seek. I will make you great. I will make you almost as great a warrior as I am. And then swings at you, duck that one, come back with the bastard sword and ram it through his chest. Clearly lethal blow, goes flunk, flunk, through one side out the other and pull it back out again. 
I'd rather be a good man than the greatest warrior ever born. And I know fine, I know fine you can make me that. But that's not what I want to be. He staggers back away from this. He drops Orvin Bane out of his hand, wherein it falls slowly towards the ground of the boneyard, and, like the robes in that, between one breath and the next, just disappears entirely. It never hits the ground, never scars the surface of the boneyard at all. He staggers away, looking at this mortal wound in his chest, puts his hand to it, pulls it away, sees no blood flowing, no heart slashed or falling out, and gives you a grim smile. <laughs> Haven't you heard? I'll crack the earth and burn the sky. You can't slay me. A mug twice born will never... And then... The sparrows descend upon him in fury. He brings his arms up, but he has almost no strength left in them. That wound is draining his vitality away rapidly. He swings weakly with one flailing arm, catches a sparrow square on with his slapping hand and just knocks it very briefly aside, rather than slapping it down to the ground, and it just flips, bounces back, stabs into him, and there are 200 incorporeal sparrows pulling and tearing at his flesh, and they rip it to bits. The spectral figure falls apart, and you can see something there, this ball of twisting, writhing red energy... And it is being it is carried up into the air, and you hear, "You can't, you can't, I won't!" Echoing out across the boneyard, and they carry him off into the distance. And the screaming voice of Amag, twice born, disappears from sound, and the graveyard goes utterly still again. As when you look round a moment later, the reapers are gone as well just into nothingness. Okay. That's a relief. And Amag, twice born, is dead. <laughs> For only the eighth time. <laughs> and Corwin sort of turns to you again. He's taken he's taken zero damage here, but he seems to be slightly fatigued from the 19 death saves that yeah. he's passed thus far. Yeah, Kel is not feeling all that hot. And he turns to you and he says, well, lad, we did it, didn't we? Aye, that we did. And Kaelin will look down at the ground and pick up an old, rusty, broken bastard sword. Yep. Great sword. Great uh, Auburn Bane. Auburn it's, it's, it's a great sword. I called it a bastard sword uh, at least once during the yeah. encounter because I was thinking of great sword, but it's a yeah, great yeah, yeah. Pick up an old, rusty, broken great sword. And, um, well, at this point, actually, she. Uh, yeah, she you can uh, pick up the blade end as well yeah. and take it if you so desire. It's literally sitting on the ground because this is yeah. a physical object that you bought into the boneyard. And yeah. also, you know, you probably shouldn't leave it here. Yeah. This place doesn't seem like it should be disturbed with other people's garbage. Yeah. Uh, scoop up the pieces. We did that. Whatever else happens, the community is sa- the community is safe. Aye, lad, we did our bit. Fair is still in the lot, and I know what happens next. I saw it. 
and I can live with that. And whether you like it or not, you're going to have to live with it as well. Look, lad. And he swings Nettle Spike and tap, tap, taps on his gravestone, which he's clearly looked at at some point during this. It's Kaelin. He's literally pointing you to look at yes, this. Yeah, you can refuse to do so. No, Kaelin looks at the gravestone. And it reads, Corwin Steel River. Birth date, 350-something years ago. Then there's that swirling waft around it, like you can't quite perceive it. And then the word solidifies... It says only one thing. Now. Mm-hmm. And underneath, where there was nothing before, words are suddenly etched quickly into the gravestone. He died fulfilling his destiny. You told me if it said today, you wouldn't fight it. And I don't intend to. I know it won't be easy for you, lad. But it's been a hell of a time. Um, if this is what it's meant to be, that's what meant, what's meant to be. I don't know what come ne- comes next. Nobody does, truth to tell, except for me. Comes this inevitable voice that swells into your head from everywhere. And when you look round, it's always behind you. Here yeah. In the always. This telepathic voice is coming from just behind you and when you look round there is another figure there um, this one is a grey robe as well rather than the black ones of the reapers but it is a grey hooded figure this one definitely has a womanly shape and aspect to it although only very faintly she has the slightest curves where there was bone and skull inside the reapers capes there is what you can see of a woman's chin in here, the vaguest aspects of femininity and womanhood. The others felt inevitable, but also scary. They had the touch of death on her. The Lady of Graves feels just as inevitable as the others, but there's no fear behind her, no menace. She just is. And as you watch her, she flickers rapidly between every blink of an eye, at some moments she is impossibly young, almost down to bordering on a newborn baby girl, you know, several days old at most. In others she is impossibly old, this withered crone's chin, 200 if she's a day, and her voice, which the GM is not going to be able to do, swells and changes back and forward as well. It goes incredibly young, and then old and crone-like, and then so young again. With no judgment, no menace or anything in her voice, she simply steps across. She actually walks rather than floats, but her footsteps glide. She steps across between you, steps around Kaelin entirely. Corwin Steel River, your time is up. And Corwin nods at this. And Phorasma's head turns up and looks at you, and again, you're only getting that little profile of a chin here. And you hear her voice again. You should not be here, mortal. But I understand the service you have rent. If it's not my time, I would be more than glad to go home. She nods slightly at this. I will permit and pardon your intrusion here in my boneyard. And I will see you again in your time. 
the when is written in a great many ways, as perhaps you have come to understand. It is inevitable and mutable all at the same time. What you pass to after is your choice entirely, although I am as certain as you as to where you will go. And she turns back to Corwin. You have earned a great much from me, child of the endless river, dwarf of the deep, cleric of Phorasma, servant of the Lady of Graves, for you have brought many to me all in their appointed time, and you have served me for more than one lifetime. I give you a moment in eternity, should you seek it. Are you ready to move on? And Corwin sort of looks to you and looks to Phrasma and he says, I want you to know, lad, I don't regret what happened, what you changed. I did for the longest time. I thought I could find me death somewhere, set right what was meant to be. It's only here now, at the end of all things, that I really understand what was meant to be. I know you've taken on about it, but you've no control over how you change the fates around you. You just, you just do. Just be yourself, lad. Do what you would do. It's all anyone could ask of you. I'm not angry at you. I'm long past that. The way I see it, most people waste the one life they've had. Me, I had a good one with my wife, my family, right up until the moment I was supposed to fall them skeletons and then I had a second good life treasurer of Stagthorn friend to the king abuser of Lord Fancy Pants <laughs> so the way I figure it where some people waste one life I've spent two good ones it's time time for me to go on I sort of figured you'll find me Will you'll find it all in order You'll never find another treasure as good as a dwarf, of course. But that's now your problem, not mine. Aye. He nods slightly to this. Good journey to you, my friend. I'm glad I got the chance to know you. Whether or not it was meant to be. And he puts a hand out to yours, takes it, and you do that firm, gripping, manly form thing, and he pulls you into a full-on dwarven chest bump and hug. And then you hear the Lady of Graves Rasma from behind him again. I heard your prayers this morning, Colin. You have one spell left to use here. Do you not? Before we pass on into what comes next, it will be a good ending for you, I think. What says I, my lady? I'm ready. Just one more time. He raised the hand and his finger begins to glow not with dark black energy of the death touch and his eyes change as well not with the dark black energy of the death touch but just this faint inevitable grey it flows over his finger and it flows over his eyes lad your time's not up but your time in this place is dismissal (laughs) and he banishes you from the barnyard you are technically entitled to a will save I highly suggest you don't defy the goddess of graves and take it hell no and he dismisses you back to the material plane (laughs) and I believe you simply just appear 
goodness knows where, but I'll take the material plane, given my alternatives. Yeah, Corwin prepared dismissal this morning. Sweet. For exactly this purpose. And again, there is that blink as the boneyard just flickers and dissolves in a heartbeat around you, and you are standing back in Elk's Rest, where you left the material plane. Sweet! Like, the exact spot where you left the material plane. Alright. And Corwin Steel River passes from this world into the next. Caitlin will um, look around the castle, go over and, you know, touch the wall and, you know... Yep. It feels reassuringly solid and real and alive. You're, you've gone off into an isolated corner of, say, the courtyard. Yeah. But nonetheless, you can hear around you in the distance, and a couple of guards faintly talking to each other, you can hear someone in the distance shouting, How much for a cabbage? Your kingdom is still alive. Everything around you is alive. This place is... The grass is green, the air smells fresh, the trees are growing as you watch them. This place is bursting with life compared okay. to the infinite stillness of the boneyard. And Kellen will reach up and feel this pulse in his neck. Yep, you too are alive. Excellent. And strapped on your back is a broken, rusty old greatsword. Alright. Kaelin will look around kind of nervously and go track down the first person he can find. Yep, which is probably a um, random guard, unless you're looking for anyone in particular. Um, Yeah. Your Majesty looks past you. Uh, Where's Corwin? Not coming back. What time? What day is it? Uh, You've been gone a while. You've been gone a while, Your Majesty. We just thought you were stepping out for a moment, but it's been... You sort of shake him slightly, and then Tristan comes running out. Oh, Caelan, there you are. Uh, He sort of looks past you, sees no Corwin, draws the obvious conclusion, and nods his head. Ah. You've been longer than we expected. It's been almost a day and a half. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, good. So I'm still in time for the army, then? The the, uh, the Tide Lords haven't invaded? Uh, Tristan says, no, no, they're definitely heading here. We're getting reports from our scouts. They're on their way. They they should be... Uh, we've already taken the liberty of... I presume this is the choice you'll probably make as the player. Labor- activating XYZ arm. No, no, we are. You've you already done that. We we, I did that yeah. before I did the dimensional travel, believe me. Yeah. yeah. yeah, the, 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 um, yeah General, the, General Akaros has the armies assembling and readying and moving. Oh, good. This is... Did... Time should. Time doesn't flow differently on the boneyard. It moves perfectly in sync with mortal time. You should have been fine. I wouldn't have expected you to have taken this long. We were getting worried. Well, you know, did you know that there's a lot of people who have died and you know the history of time? I understood that Corwin had done divinations to bring you close to his grave, which was the first percentile check that you rolled that you failed. Yeah. Um, so Corwin failed to get useful information from his divination to get him closer. Then you landed within 1d500 miles. Yeah. Which was 315 miles. Then I worked out how long it would take you to hustle 315 miles, presuming that you never got tired in any way, which was uh, only a day and a half. Ah, uh, excellent. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, if you were actually capable of getting fatigued there, it would have taken you nine and a half days. Right, yep. As you are not, you literally spend 36-something hours 
marching as fast as you can across the boneyard and then return within a day and a half. We uh, we didn't get all that close. We wound up about two thousand years, uh, about two thousand years from where um where we were looking for, you might say. Yep, and in the uh, continental equivalent of Australia. <laughs> yep, but um, but we did it, and Caleb will draw half of Orvin Bay. Yep. Tristan looks at oh, it's not really that impressive anymore, is it? I think I'll keep it as a souvenir nonetheless, even if it is going to make a lot of people fairly cranky with me. Corwin, it was his time? The lady came for him. I suppose we should be happy for him. Aye, I would be. No way. It's, I know it's not easy for us, but it's what he wanted. It was long past when he thought he'd be going. You're going to miss the hell out of that dwarf. <laughs> I, I think he'll miss you as well in his way. But I know it's not your sort of thing. But it's what it was important to him. Come on, brother. Let's get you some dinner. Oh, yeah, I feel like I haven't eaten in days. Yeah, you actually feel both. As this is starting to catch up with you, you are starving... And completely exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> like you've walked 315 miles. And also probably still a little bit like I got stabbed by a guy yeah. with a giant corporeal... Yes, yes, your hit point damage is still there. Yeah. Tristan. And Tristan will look at you slightly. Huh. Kaelin, only you could go to the boneyard and get... Only you could go to the boneyard, the eternal realm of judgment for all souls, and get in a sword fight. I might have got all grouchy. Cure, cure, cure. <laughs> he didn't want it. Apparently he was really committed to that d- never dying plan. <laughs> and, you know, he was a ghost, so all of my armour did me no good at all. You saw our mug? Were there psychopops? Oh, tell me all about the psychopops. Come on, come on, we'll get some beer into you. That'll help keep you awake. And yeah. some pie. <laughs> I understand orcs like pie. Yeah. And, um, Caelan will, um, go along and yep, have yep. dinner with Tristan and Britain. And, and Tristan and Britain, Tristan will keep you up, endeavour to keep you up nattering, and you're, yep. like, up for about an hour and literally falling asleep, <laughs> face planting into pie, yeah. and you have this vague sensation in your back where Britain says, mm, sleep time for him, but I want to hear more about the sparrows. Their ectoplasmic construction must be tomorrow, drag, drag, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And just as you're fading out, you hear Bryn sort of throws you into bed, tucks you in slightly, nuzzles in against your cheek. Good night, Caelan. Goodbye, Corwin. <laughs> <laughs>